Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. So I love the song, There's Joy in Chaos. I love those words. And uh, we have juice here on a Friday. And uh, we have 60 kids in here, and there is chaos in this room on a Friday. That's what everybody wants on a Friday night, isn't it? A load more chaos in your life. And this week I was telling the story at Juice. And we're, we're telling the kids about the story of Joseph at Juice. And I did the part of the story where the brothers take Joseph's coat after he's been sent off to be a slave. They take his coat and they put blood on it and tell their dad a lie that is uh, that Joseph's been eaten by a wild beast. So I thought I'd bring some props and I'd do this for the kids. So we got some kids up and they, they stood up the front. They were the brothers and uh, I bought a, 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 a really colorful coat and we got Joseph up and we took that coat off him and we put it on the floor and sent Joseph off to be a slave. And then I had some, some fake blood and it went crazy. The kids thought that was the best thing in the world and they just went, it was absolute chaos. And all the leaders just looked at me like, well, you've made your bed, Jez. We're not going to help you in this. So it was just, I sort of got the story, the point of the story over that you shouldn't tell lies. Um, but I don't think any of the kids took that. So ho- hopefully, hopefully you'll be kinder to me this morning, but I'm not doing anything with any fake blood or anything like that. So I know it's a shame. Um, maybe next time. So... Yes, so this morning we're going to look at Hebrews, a bit more Hebrews. And um, so we've got some slides. I haven't actually checked with Adam if he's all right with the slides, but uh, it's a bit late now. Um, So, yes, so we've been looking at Hebrews. Uh, Helen started off the series uh, looking at Hebrews 4, and that was hope has a name, and the name is Jesus, yeah? And the the word hope goes through all of these, these themes that we're looking at. And he's also the hope of heaven isn't he? Uh, Nick then came along and did, did a, a, a preach on, the, on Hebrews 3, and that was about do not harden our hearts, yeah? And there was a response there, wasn't it, about us dealing with, with maybe we've hardened our hearts and, uh, and doing something about it that Sunday. And then Ethan preached last week, thank you, Ethan, um, and about earthly hope disappoints, but that heavenly hope will never disappoint, and that was Hebrews 6, so I'm going, to, I'm going to preach on Hebrews 10 this morning, and, um, and the title of that is The House of Hope, and it's about the priesthood of believers, and that's quite a strange words, isn't it, that we hear, priesthood of believers, and what is the priesthood of believers? Well, it's us. It's us here this morning, church, but as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about all the churches that I've been to and attended over, over the years, and I want you to just think about the churches that you, you've, you've been to and worshipped at and those type of things, because, because that is the priesthood of believers, and all those people we were with, we were with those believers in those churches. And it's more than that as well. It's, it's whenever Christians are gathered together. So when Helen does her Bible study on Wednesday, that's going to be the priesthood of believers. The priesthood of believers is in your life group, when you go along to life group. 
The priesthood of believers is when we go out with the vine, we, we, uh, look, we look after rough sleepers. That's a priesthood of believers doing that. So there's so many things that, the, that we are, as a church, a priesthood of believers. It's not just this on a Sunday. So many more things is a priesthood of believers. And we should, uh, we should think about that. So let's have a look at Hebrews 10. Now, I think Hebrews is a bit heavy. Yeah? Now, that's not everybody. That's my opinion is Hebrews can be a bit heavy. Now, I rang the daughter this week and I was talking to her. I said I was preaching. She said, oh, what are you preaching on, Dad? And she's called Hope as well, which is ironic. And, and she said, what are you preaching on? I said, I'm preaching on Hebrews. She went, oh, I love Hebrews. I was like, oh, wow. It's like a teddy or something like that. It was like, I love Hebrews. And I was like, wow, okay. So different people have different um, ways of, of, of reading the Bible. But for me, Hebrews is a bit heavy. So I've tried to simplify what we're going to look at this morning. Um, but there's a reason why Hebrews is a bit heavy. The Hebrews were the Jews. They were the Christian Jews. And Jews like to study the word. They debate it, they discuss it, and they, they get involved with discussions about it. They put a lot of time into it. So the writer of the Hebrews, and we actually don't know who the writer of the Hebrews was. There's lots of theories about who wrote the Hebrews. Um, but the writer of the Hebrews is, is, is speaking to the Hebrews. So he's gone into a lot of detail. And we need to remember that as we read these words, because it's so rich, isn't it? It's like that rich chocolate cake that we eat. And it's like, oh, there's so much of it. I want loads of this, but it, it can be heavy. And so we need to, to, to remember that as we're reading these words, um, that, that the writer to the Hebrews is speaking to Jews, speaking to Christian Jews, and they, they, they understand this. And they, there's a lot of quotations back into the Old Testament as well as we read through it. So bear with me as we go through it. So I know it's not, it's not always what you want on a, on a Sunday, something a bit too heavy, but I've tried to simplify it because I'm, I'm a little bit simple and I need it simple. So... What I've got in my next slide is that this, this chapter in Hebrews, which is Hebrews 10, is separated into two parts, okay? The first part is about Christ's sacrifice, and the second part is a call to persevere, okay? So we're going to look at these two portions of the word, and so we'll, so we'll do the first bit first, which is Christ's sacrifice, and then we'll look at a call to persevere, okay? So... We'll start to read, and what, I'm, what I've done is I've used the message. Now, the message isn't the Bible. The message is a paraphrase, okay? So, so it's been written by, by someone who's trying to put that Bible into terms that we can understand a bit better. So you can follow. If you've got a message Bible, follow in the message Bible. I've put the message up here so we can follow like this, but also follow in your Bible because it, it runs very closely with what, with what the message says, Okay? So don't, don't have a go at me afterwards from preaching for the message, but it does really help, and it does open, it just sort of shines a light on some of the key things here. So, glasses. And we will read Hebrews 10, starting at verse 1, and the title of this is The Sacrifice of Jesus. The old plan was only a hint of the good things in the new plan. It's a little bit like Narnia. You know, you get that feeling? The old plan was only a hint of the good things in the new plan. Since that old law plan wasn't complete in itself, it couldn't complete those who followed it. 
no matter how many sacrifices were offered year after year, they never added up to a complete solution. Remember that complete solution. If they had, the worshippers would have gone merrily on their way, no longer dragged down by their sins, but instead of removing awareness of sin, when those animal sacrifices were repeated over and over, they actually heightened awareness and guilt. The plain fact is that bull and goat blood can't rid sin. This is what is meant by this prophecy put in the mouth of Christ. And this is from Psalm 40. You don't want sacrifices and offerings year after year. You've prepared a body for me for a sacrifice. It's not a fragrance and smoke from the altar that whet your appetite. So I said, I'm here to do it your way, O God. The way is described in your book. And when he said, you don't want sacrifices and offerings, he was referring to practices according to the old law. And when he added, I'm here to do it your way, he set aside the first in order to enact the new plan, God's way, by which we are fit for God by the once for all sacrifice of Jesus. Every priest goes to work at the altar each day, offers the same old sacrifices year in, year out, and never makes a dent in the sin problem. As a priest, Christ made a single sacrifice for sins, and that was it. Then he sat down right beside God and waited for his enemies to cave in. It was a perfect sacrifice by a perfect person to perfect some very imperfect people. By that single offering, he did everything that needed to be done for everyone who takes part in the purifying process. The Holy Spirit confirms this. This new plan I'm making with Israel isn't going to be written on paper. It isn't going to be written, chiseled in stone. This time I'm writing out the plan in them, carving it on the lining of their hearts. He concludes, I'll never wipe the slate clean of their sins. Once sins are taken care of for good, there's no longer any need to offer sacrifices for them. Okay. Does the message make it a bit clearer? So we have Christ's sacrifice. And the title, it may be in your Bible, says once for all. And what was happening in that Old Testament? If you imagine being one of those people in the Old Testament, we read about the Israelites, don't we? And that, the, way that they, the way that they lived, it was this, they sinned, they then gave sacrifices, they were cleansed, but then it all happened again. And that was what happened. And I think church would have been very different in that Old Testament world. There would have been sacrifices. You would have brought sacrifices this morning. There would be a fire burning that sacrifice. So church would be a totally different thing to what we know church. And, and that's what I mean about thinking back at all the churches you've been to. They probably all follow a very similar theme. But, but what we're seeing here is what the old church was like. Imagine what that would have been like this morning with sacrifices and things being killed and all that. The noise and everything like that. It's totally different church. And this is what is being explained to, to the Hebrews. Um, so we should, we should think about what our priorities are when we come to church. If this is what the, the writer to the Hebrews is saying, this is what church is about. It's about Jesus. 
It's about that sacrifice that he gave. So when we come to church, maybe our priorities are different. Uh, Dale's a bit worried about getting the cake before he leaves today. Because he's got to leave early and he's asking when the cake's going to be cut. Now, maybe that priority is a little bit wrong. Sorry, mate. (laughs) But, But so sometimes we can get sidetracked, can't we? And when we come to church... Jesus needs to be the number one. That's why we're coming to church. And that's why we go to other things, the Bible study, the life groups. We want to get closer to Jesus. We want to know more about these things. Hebrews is a bit heavy, but we come to church to learn more about it, and to, to allow that time for it to sink in and go into our hearts. So I think this is what's relevant about reading this first portion of Hebrews. We've heard this this over and over again. But what he's trying to make clear is that all that old sacrifices and all the old stuff that used to happen, that's all gone. And Jesus did that, and he did that cleansing when he died on the cross. And, and it's difficult for us to get our heads around it because human beings want to do something. Don't we want to do something every time? Maybe confession or something like that. But we want, to, we want to do something. But we don't have to. He's done it already for us. And that's why we come to church. And that's why we meet together, to celebrate that. Okay. I think what sums this up for me is this verse in 1 John, 1 verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. But if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. It's not easy. It's not an instant fix that's happened because it can feel a little bit like that. We have to follow that path. We're not calling him a liar. He... um, we have to confess our sins and do that. Okay. So now we're going to look at the second section. And this is starting at verse 19. And we're going to read the message again to go through this second section of Hebrews 10. And this is called Don't Throw It All Away. So friends, we can now, without hesitation, walk right up to God, into the holy place. Again, I'm reading from the message, and this is a paraphrase. Walk right up to God, into the holy place. Jesus has cleared the way by the blood of his sacrifice, acting as our priest before God. The curtain into God's presence is his body. So let's do it, full of belief, confident that we're, pre- we're presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging, love and helping out, not avoiding worshipping together, as some do, but spurring each other on especially as we see the big day approaching. If we give up and turn our backs on all we've learned, all we've been given, all the truth we now know, we repudiate Christ's sacrifice and are left on our own to face the judgment and a mighty fierce judgment it will be. If the penalty for breaking the law of Moses is physical death, what do you think will happen if you turn on God's son? 
spit on the sacrifice that made you whole, and insult the most gracious spirit. This is no light matter. God has warned us that he'll hold us to account and make us pay. He has quite explicit, vengeance is mine, and I won't overlook a thing. And God will judge his people. Nobody's getting by without anything, believe me. Remember those early days after you first saw the light. So remember, this is the writer to the Hebrews. So he's, he's reminding them of, of a, a time when they saw the light. And I think it's relevant to us as well. Remember when you first saw the light. Those were the hard times, kicked around in public, targets of every kind of abuse. Some days it was you, other days your friends. If some friends went to prison, you stuck by them. If some enemies broke in and seized your good goods, you let them go with a smile, knowing they couldn't touch your real treasure. Nothing they did bothered you. Nothing set you back. So don't throw it all away now. You were sure of yourselves then. It's still a sure thing. But you need to stick, stick it out. Stay in with God's plan so that you'll be there for the promised completion. It won't be long now. He's on the way. He'll show up most any minute. But anyone who is right with me thrives on loyal trust. If he cuts and runs, I won't be very happy. But we're not quitters who lose out. Oh, no. We'll stay with it and survive, trusting all the way. Great. So we need to persevere. And so this is what church looks like now. I love that walk right up to God. In the Bible, it says confidence to enter. Yeah, that's that's that word confident. And then it says, let's do it. And the Bible says, let us draw near to God. Let us draw near to God. Let's do it. There's an action, movement. Um, We love coming to church, don't we? We lived with them at David's for a year. And uh, my brother, Nick, he's not a morning person, okay? Just my experience of living with them for a year, he is not a morning person. I am a morning person. I'm very chirpy in the morning. And so that wasn't always great when I came down in the morning and Nick just wanted to have some time on his own. But on Sundays, Nick gets up and he is ready for a great day. So on a Sunday, Nick is a morning person. He gets very excited about coming to church on a Sunday. And so the worship music goes on and he's cooking breakfast and he's like morning everybody and he's got all the energy. And so, so we love church, don't we? We love coming to church. And so we should be like that. We should be like that with all the events that happen. And it's difficult. The devil doesn't want us to do this stuff. He's against us. There's a spiritual battle going on. He doesn't want us to, to, to meet with God's people and have fellowship. And, and there's so many things in, in this chapter. And, and yet again, the Bible helps us out. And if we read on um, into Hebrews 12, we get a bit more of an idea of, of what we should be doing and how we should be doing it. Remember when Nick preached about um, Philip and the Ethiopian? Nick pointed out that if the Ethiopian had read on a few more chapters in Isaiah, he would have seen what God said about um, about eunuchs and and such great um, 
stories there, isn't there, in the Bible with, with how that works. But the Bible helps us out. If we read a little bit more on into Hebrews 12, we see some more uh, really helpful stuff that happens. And I've got this uh, here from Hebrews 12. This, again, is the message. So don't sit around on your hands. No more dragging your feet. Clear the path for the long-distance runners so no one will trip and fall, so no one will step in a hole and sprain an ankle. Help each other out and run for it. Yeah? I love in, in these, these letters in, uh, in the New Testament about the running and, and the, the way that, that we, we run towards things. And you can imagine them. They, they knew about the Olympics and this sort of thing. And they can imagine seeing them with the runners and that type of thing. And, and, and it, that's like the Christian life, isn't it? We, we have a goal. We have to persevere. We have to run. It's not always easy. It's really difficult sometimes. And we should do this. We should clear the way. Oh, here we go. Okay. Just go back to the verse a minute. Everybody's be excited about that. Um, uh, we have to clear the way for the long-distance runners so that no one will trip and fall, which is such a lovely thing. It's our job to clear the way for the other runners. Yeah? It's so lovely, and that's what we do, isn't it? And, and so we do juice. We want those kids to hear about the Bible. Who knows what's going to happen in their lives? And what we're showing them is a little bit of truth from the Bible that hopefully they'll remember in the, in the future and say, I think I know what I need to do here. I think I need... And so we're taking those sticks and stones out of their way. And we do it with people in life group, and, and we just... It's part of being a Christian is helping people so that they get those, those obstacles removed from their way. And I thought that was a really lovely way of putting it, that we remove the obstacles for other people. So, yeah, go to that picture then, Adam. <laughs> so this is me. This is me doing a long-distance run. This was a couple of years ago. And um, that, that's my mate in the background there, Paul Tilly. Uh, he's gaining ground on me there. Uh, this was actually at the beginning of the run, and we're running up a hill, and it's a bit stony and bumpy. Um, my wife yesterday wasn't very complimentary about that running vest. Uh, I was going to wear it this morning for preaching, but she said that I shouldn't, I shouldn't do that, um, and uh, <laughs> maybe I should throw it away. Anyway, so, so yeah, now that's an interesting style of running. I've actually got my eyes closed. That's because I'm praying that, that I get... That I get the energy of Mo Farah. And also, I'm smiling. And the, the crazy thing about that was there was a photographer on the side of this hill. And we started at the bottom of the hill, and it took so long. The irony was incredible. So normally when you're running, you run past a photographer quite quickly. But this photographer was there, and I was running towards him. And it was so slow, it was just really funny how, <laughs> how it took so long to get to the photographer. And then eventually they took the picture. Um, so there. But I do smile when I'm running, and, and I do somehow get some sort of pleasure out of it. But you can see there, that is a, that is a difficult terrain. It's hilly. It's not tarmac. There's stones in the way. And we go through those seasons, don't we, as Christians? Sometimes we're on a hill. Sometimes there's stuff in the way. Sometimes our friends need to help us out and remove that. And again, that's our job as Christians, isn't it? To get alongside people when they're in that season. To identify, be close enough to people when they're in that season to say, I can see you're going through difficult times. I can see you're on a hill here. I can see you're on some uneven ground and you need some help. 
And that's what Hebrews is saying in this, in, in this word. It's not just for us own to persevere and push forward, but we need to help other people to do that as well. So hopefully that hasn't scared you too much, that picture of me running up a hill. But there it is. Discipline is a long-distance race. To run, we have to be disciplined. We don't want to get up and go for a run. There's other things that we do that we have to be disciplined in. Reading the Bible, praying. Yeah, we need to be disciplined every day uh, with this as, as we go through that, as we go through the seasons that we're in. We need to throw off everything that hinders when we clear the path for others. That, that chapter in Hebrews 12, that's what the Bible says. Throw off everything that hinders. Get rid of the junk. So we need to do that. So I'm just ready to finish now. Um, for me, this, this verse in Peter, 1 Peter 2, speaks about a royal, a royal priesthood. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Last week, we saw the coronation. We saw royal people, didn't we? Yeah, and I remember thinking, imagine if you were invited to be in Westminster Abbey and see all that happening, sitting on right close to there, and you see this, this amazing event happening and all the grandeur and all the pomp and ceremony and people in robes and all that sort of thing. And you get an invite, which is uh, by order of the king. And those words just go into my heart because we're actually invited to a much bigger, bigger royal occasion, aren't we? And we're that royal priesthood. And, and, so, and so we should celebrate that. You know, we saw that all last week, but actually we're invited to that royal priesthood. And this is, this is it today. And that really put something on my heart that was actually everybody's invited to that. Everybody in my life and outside of my life are invited to that royal priesthood to celebrate this every Sunday, to celebrate everything that we know about God. And that's on my heart that we need to tell other people about this. We need to, to introduce other people to what this is and how wonderful God is and by his grace that he saved us, that those sacrifices we don't have to do anymore, he sacrificed. But that we need to really, really share this priesthood with other people. And that is that command that we should do that. So let's pray. You know, we need to respond to this stuff. I said at our life group, we used to help out with a um, rehabilitation center. And it was a Christian re rehab center. And the people in that rehab center needed God every single day. And they responded to everything that happened. So any call that was made, any prayer that was made, they responded immediately. Because they'd been through so many hardships, so many things that they needed God for, so many things they needed Jesus for. And they would always respond. And I love that faith. And I think as, as British people, we, we shy away from that response. But we need to respond this morning. We need to open our hearts to what God has said to us. We need to open our hearts to what, to what God is saying into our lives right now. And we need to respond. Because we can take it all in and, 
and not do anything. But when we get up tomorrow morning, what are we going to do differently? So we want to respond to you, God, this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you that we can get so much out of your word. And every time we hear your word, there's something different that we can, that we can understand about you. Thank you for that amazing power that your, is your word, that we can read it and see new things every day. Thank you for what you've shown us this morning, Father. Thank you for Jesus and his sacrifice. We'll never understand that love, but you did that. And thank you that we don't have to make sacrifices and, and do all those things, but we just thank you that we can live in your grace. Thank you, Father. And Lord, challenge us to share this good news that we would remove obstacles for people to follow you, that we would get alongside people who, need, who are in a difficult season and that need encouragement and that need your love and need to hear that today. Maybe that's a text or maybe that's just putting your arm around somebody and saying, I'm praying for you. And Father, thank you for church. Thank you for the fellowship that we have together. Thank you for all of the connections we make and that the people here do us good. Thank you, Jesus, for this morning. Amen. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarranty.com.